Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad, no one will film it. These brave podcasters will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's a good part, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads with Sean McBee and Trevor Thompson. Hello, Internet, and welcome to another thrilling installment of Table Reads. It's not really that thrilling. I just like to hype you up because... John is the you to like me. John is the hype man in the in the single rap group of his own. I am my own hype man. Yes. Like I just walk around going, "Yo man, here's an observation." And then behind and then I jump behind myself yeah. and go, "Yo! He's yeah. dropping some knowledge." <laughs> um so anyway, uh welcome to part 2 of Termite Terrace, the uh long abandoned Charlie Haas, Joe Dante, Joe Dante, not directed script would have been directed, but no, it was not. So uh, what do you say we fill everybody in? Previously on Table Reads. We met Pete, a new in-betweener for the animation department of Gustafsson Productions, a fictionalized version of Schlesinger Productions, which is somehow easier to say, where the classic Looney Tunes characters were made. Uh, We then basically just followed him for a few days as he met all the wacky, fictionalized people at the animation studio, affectionately referred to as Termite Terrace. When we left off, they had just screened their first cartoon that he worked on, and we picked up with Pete introducing himself half an hour into the movie via voiceover. Fade in. A matching image of the group, a cartoon drawing in progress on lined paper. Pete's hand is working on the caricatures. Nearby are some handwritten words, and we hear, in voiceover, The big guy is Slim Edwards. He's our director. Everybody wants to be like him when they grow up. For many of the guys, it seems to be quite a ways off. A wider angle reveals, interior, Pete's apartment, night. He's flopped on the cot, working on the letter. The place is a little bit humanized. Canned food and a hot plate. Pinned up drawings from work. My big debut is on its way to the theaters. It's called Porky and Daffy. If you count four... If you count four minutes and twelve seconds after it starts and then watch closely for six seconds, I'm sure my style will jump out at you. Because for some reason all the characters just start closing their eyes halfway and look cocky. That's all me, though. That's not what he actually said. Because <laughs> he's Chuck Jones. Close on the drawing as he finishes shading it. I tried to get an I tried to get an appointment at the Disney Studios, but they're not making they're not taking applications now. Mom, I'm being nice to everyone, like you said to, though I'm not sure that the people out here can tell. Back to the wider angle. Pete sticks some cash into the envelope with the letter, heads for the door. Well, I enclosed some of my vast Hollywood earnings. And love to all. Eat. Interior, room 15, day. This <laughs> music. Yeah. <clears throat> I love great it. Great music. A story session for a new cartoon is in progress. Guys from Slim's room and elsewhere in the terrace are present, 
including Jack Landy. At the corkboard, where Slim presides, we see a Hollywood theme in the gag drawings. Limos, searchlights, caricatured movie stars. The session is a free-for-all of guys sketching, telling, and kibitzing ideas. <laughs> so, so the searchlights are shining all over the place, and you follow... Wait, that's text. I'm sorry, I'm doing the voice wrong. So the searchlights are shining all over the place, and you follow up the beams to the man in the moon with a nightcap on, and he says... Oh, that's, uh, shields his eyes. Hey, give me a break, will ya? Or he whistles, and the constellation, the guy with the arrow thing, shoots out the searchlight. Pow! It blows up. Get a decent explosion for once. People flying around, put a hole in the street like the Grand Canyon. Terrific. Or when the light explodes, the guys next to it turn black. They start singing Camp Town Races. Slim doesn't like Landy's idea. He slides past it with a non-committal look, turns to Jerry. Uh, what was your Laurel and Hardy? As Jerry answers, illustrating with gag sketches he holds up, in dialogue that we don't need to hear, I guess, <laughs> Clark passes a sketch up to Slim. A constellation hunter drawing his bow as a cranky man in the moon points down at the offending searchlight. You see Oliver Hardy from the back there. He's dancing with his girl. He turns around. It's two girls. <laughs> sure. Nothing like a fat man joke. He takes Jerry's drawings and pins them up, then turns to Pete, who's sitting near the back, putting nervous finishing touches on some sketches of his own. New guy, what you got? Um, I had an idea for something to do with Constance Morrow. The morale or Morrow? Morrow. Yeah, had a few of those, too. Slim's look says, and? <laughs> Pete draws a deep breath and plunges in, holding up his gag drawings, narrating them. The limousine pulls in front of the nightclub. It's the longest car in the world. Keeps going and going and going. There's 30 doors. Yeah, and you do some stuff with the windows. One window, uh, you, you have people eating, like in a dining car. Another, there's a lady yelling down in the tenement. Hoibee, get in here, Hoibee! I was just getting to that. Now, go ahead. So, you finally get to the back of the car, and it's pulled up outside this bar, a real dive, you know, with the flashing neon signs and everything, and the back door opens, and Constance Morrow gets out. Pete's drawing shows Constance Morrow, the reigning screen queen, stepping out of the limo's back door at a dive called the Hotsy Totsy Club. Her face is tilted upward in a parody of movie star self-importance. And she's so busy being a star, she doesn't see where she is. She thinks the lights are flashbulbs. Clark imitates Constance trademark, Constance's trademark gush. You dear people, oh hello. <laughs> she starts going inside, but then she hears the whistle, this whistle. And there's Harpo marks on a scooter like a little kid. She gets on it with him. You know, Constance Morrow's working over... Oh, I'm sorry. You know, Constance, Mor Constance Morrow's working over here. He gestures gimme at Pete, who passes his drawings up. That's right. They're making... What's it called? Furball? It's about cats? Fireball and furs. Why don't you go over... Uh, why don't you go over and hang around, sketch her a little? You know, you could animate, and, you could animate some stuff yourself. So, uh, just to back up a little bit... Um... 
Okay. Slim was saying, you know, Constant Morrow's working over here. Like, oh. she's there on the lot. Right. Oh, okay, right. I get it. Yeah. I, I did not get it either. No. Context. I think Context. That, I think that was our fault. No, no. The way it's written, like, I wasn't sure how that line was supposed to be read. Oh, okay. Like, you read it like he was continuing the pitch. Like, yeah. you know, Constant Morrow's working over here. There was no direction like that says he gestures out the window or something, yeah. like here. You know, Constant Morrow's working over here. Um... So then Slim's saying... I thought he meant like he was gesturing to the Constance Morrow gag. Like that yeah, gag's yeah, me working too, here. Me too. But no, he's he's saying like, she's working over mm. here. You can go sketch her. Okay. And they, he, and they did do that. He I, pins Pete's drawings up as he speaks. Nobody else seems to regard this as a big deal. But Pete is wowed. Um, yeah. Yeah, I... Fine. I'm feeling faint. Must be lunchtime. Back here at one. The meeting breaks up and Pete heads out into interior corridor. Still a little dazed, he starts around a corner. Meep, meep. <laughs> that's all he's going to say. In that the was whole Rudy. Movie. Hopefully that's all he says in the whole movie. And almost collides with Rudy, the runner who carries stuff from room to room. Well spotted in episode one, Trevor. Yeah. Rudy's armload of stuff is piled so high that he can't see over it. Thus the beep, beep as he rounds corners, which is the real origin of the Roadrunner beep beep by all, the way all Julian those runners they're a menace Jack Landy joins Pete follow them toward reception by the way congratulations thanks I didn't expect I mean to animate it ah you'll do great probably won't have any trouble with the studio really what do you mean well Constance Morrow big star could get him nervous this guy at Metro put some gags about Ronald Coleman in a cartoon Hell to pay. Well, they were talking about putting Cary Grant. Absolutely. Look, sometimes you got to risk it all. That's what life is, right? Shakes Pete's hand. Knock him dead, pal. <laughs> Pete finds himself looking at his fingers over as Landy goes off. Exterior, soundstage, morning. Pete, with sketch pad in hand, follows a stream of people to a soundstage entrance, but a, grant, but a security guard stops him there. I'm going to be the guard. Whoa, 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 whoa. You got clearance on this set? I'm desperately trying to do Ralph from Animaniacs. Oh, are you? The, and the best <laughs> imitations <laughs> are the ones you have to explain. <laughs> Maybe you should do the guard. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You got clearance on this set? <laughs> Where do you think you're going, chump? <laughs> Who are you calling a chump, That's chimp? what I was doing. Sorry, go ahead. At least I didn't have to explain mine. Exactly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You got clearance on this set? Uh, I work here on the lot. Me too, small world. You on the show? No, but I have to. You want to look at Constance Morrow, right? Best way is go down to your local neighborhood theater, buy a ticket. You can sit through two shows. Or chew my tongue like I'm doing right here. No, I, I, I have to. I have to see her. To Get a grip, son. She's only flesh and blood. Go back to work. There are a few people backed up behind Pete. He steps away and lets them by. Retreating, he sees some guys, half of them in tuxes, half in ship stewards' uniforms, going in another entrance, past a different guard. Hello, sailor. Sorry, that music was That was not subtle. Right. <laughs> it was yeah, it wasn't working. Exterior, Hollywood Street, afternoon. Pete goes into a goats. Pete goes into a costume rental store on a Hollywood corner. 
Exterior, soundstage, morning. The same stage as yesterday, but Pete, in a ship steward's costume, slips inside along with arriving extras. So this is when the script, the plot of the movie, becomes an actual cartoon. Yes. <laughs> that would be so great if they went, like, an adaptation route with this. Like, the movie adaptation. Yeah. <laughs> where the things that he is writing right. are happening in the movie. That would have been cool if they could have figured out some way to have the Looney Tunes characters narrating the thing. You know, that way they could make it live action and animation. Yeah. Like a Roger Rabbit thing. That'd be cool. Well, it's going to be up to us, I guess. Yep, just us. Interior, soundstage. On the set, in Ocean Liner's stateroom, in between take. You know, I do get already that nobody is interested in this movie. <laughs> It is very narrow, the, the, the audience for this. Yeah. Very, like, very narrow. How do you cut a trailer that makes people go see this? Yeah, and that, you know, like, if you were, if, if someone was given the choice between watching a movie, like, if there was a movie about the making of, you know, they made many Walt Disney, I'm making no point here, but it's like, there hasn't been a really, like, big Walt you know, before Mickey type story, you know, there, there've been little things on Netflix here and there, but if ever there was a studio, you know, Hollywood studio in the thirties behind the scenes story, you'd think it would be that. And that wasn't fucking selling. No one gave well, a fuck I about mean, to be fair. The Walt Disney studio didn't have the fun that these guys did. That's true. Like this. Yeah. It's, it's a bunch of interesting anecdotes. Yeah. I don't think you can sell it as a movie. Unless yeah. you do like what you were just talking about, make the characters somehow yeah. weave into it or yeah. do some sort of weird cartoony adaptation. Right. Where it's like Charlie Kaufman stuff going yeah. on. Adaptation. Um, the same stage as yesterday, but Pete in a ship steward's costume slips inside along with the arriving extras. Interior <laughs> soundstage on the set in ocean liners stateroom. A between-takes bustle of activity is going on, centering on hair, makeup, and costume of the knockout Constance Morrow. As the other extras grab donuts from a coffee cart, Pete slips into a shadowy recess of the stage wall, takes his sketchbook out, and starts drawing discreetly. Quiet, please! Here we go! Well, uh... The thing about Gerald. Righto. Sound rolling! Camera up! And action! It's a romantic comedy, and Constance's character is distraught, taking talking rapid fire to her male co-star. And the thing about Gerald, well, he's sensible. He plans things out. He knows just what he's going to be doing five years from now. I admire that in a fellow. Oh, you probably don't know what you're going to be doing in five minutes from now, and don't get any ideas about it either. Hey, what's the matter? You look green. He takes her elbows in his hands. Well, either I'm seasick or I'm falling in love with you. <laughs> and believe me, I'd much rather be seasick, but we haven't left port yet. And we're, we're finally at the point where we're, we're getting some crappy dialogue, but it's <laughs> a script in, within the movie. movie but we haven't movie. left port yet. And he shuts her up with a big kiss, which lingers until. <laughs> Cut! Give us a minute here. He heads into the stateroom to talk to the actors. What was wrong with that? Nothing with you, Constance. You were perfect. <laughs> you them perfect. Sorry. Did I say something was wrong? 
Pete is looking at the set, dazzled, a mood broken as he overhears two female crew members talking nearby. Dot Chenault, in her early 20s, is a cop. Dot? Yeah. This is Chuck's first wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dorothy. Yeah. yeah. Doc Chenault, in her early 20s, is a costumer. Pretty under... God, we are fucking nerds. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Chuck Jones' first wife, obviously. <laughs> Doc Chenault, in, also, you know, just her being given a full name yeah. in this scenario. Yeah, it would have obviously. to be. Dot Chenault, in her early 20s, is a costumer. <laughs> Pretty under a... Otherwise, her name would be Biddy number one. <laughs> Pretty under a frowsy overlay of frowsy. <laughs> what the fuck is frowsy? I've never heard. That I don't word know. Before. Uh, I didn't misread that though. That shit says. I'm writing frowsy. it down and I'm going to look it up during the break. <laughs> Great. Uh, under a frowsy overlo- overlay of smock, tape measures, and glasses, perched on pinned-up hair, Jean, a makeup artist, is a mask of showbiz fatalism around a dangling cigarette. Great kiss. You think he like goyles? Jean! Where is she's hell on wheels today? I know. I'm sorry, I should have said she. Where is she's hell on wheels today? I know. She thinks her rear sticks out in this dress. Of course it sticks out. That's the magic. Fine. You tell her. Jean sees the co-star rub his eyes. She despairs. Oh, goody. Now he's 45 again. <laughs> <laughs> As Jean heads for the actor, readying a fresh coat of powder, Dot backs up to scrutinize the set and bumps into Pete, who's blended into the woodwork a little too well. Oh, sorry, I... sees his costume. Hey, that's not real. Pete tries to motion her quiet. In fact, that's junk. What are... Please, I'm from... Dot's eyes fall on the sketch on Pete's pad. It's Constance in Looney Tune caricature. The beauty is there, but the hauteur and derriere are neatly exaggerated and made comic. Dot's eyes widen. Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> when Dot! Dot turns, sees Constance fretting over her rear in a mirror on the set. Dot whispers to Pete, indicates the drawing. For God's sake, hide that. As she hurries off, Pete, relieved, draws back into his niche. Exterior, soundstage, late afternoon. Magic hour, and the Constance Morrow picture was wrapped, has wrapped for the day. Pete, leaving alone with the crew, crosses paths with Dot, who's weighed down by an armload of costumes. I have to say for the record, John, this may be the least, like, making fun of a script we've ever done. Yeah, because maybe with Roger Rabbit, the only other exception. Well, we didn't make fun of it. We we stopped. We to laughed. Raise it. it. Yeah, yeah. And this is just like, hello, I'm a script. Yeah, this is. It's not bad, but it's not stellar. Yeah, it's either. uh, it's serviceable. It's. I think in our first episode we put it perfectly when we said that it's a it's a perfectly fine script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. perfectly fine script. Hi. Uh, competent, perfectly competent is what we what we said before. Okay. It's a competent script. Um, oh, soundstage. Hi, thanks for not. Oh, you read all that already? Yep. Yeah. Hi, uh, thanks for not. What's the idea with that outfit? I'd hate anyone to think I sewed it. 
They wouldn't let me on. Here, let me give you a hand. She hands the costumes off, and before Pete can stop her, takes the sketch pad. Oh, uh, I can take... But she's already got it open, and starts flipping through the pages as Pete follows her down the street between stages. Boy, these are rough. What are you, a blackmailer? I'm an animator, over here on the lot. You know, cartoons? Here, I can... Pete holds the costumes out flat, but Dot continues paging through the sketchbook. Oh, Porky Pig and all that. Are you putting Constance in one? Well, we're... Here, I'll... Too late. Dot's come to a drawing of her caricatured self, mouth full of pins, stray hairs in her face, bending to struggle with the lower half of Constance's costume. <laughs> hmm. She stops walking a moment, bringing the costume-laden Pete up short, and sweeps the sketch pad swaps. for the... Swaps the sketch pad for the costumes. Hey, I'm sorry about that. I, I was just kind of fooling. Serves me right. You got a name? Chuck Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Nugent. Look, I... Dot Chenault. When'd you get out here? And does it really show? Just takes one to know one. Landover, Missouri. Lyman, Kansas. Of course, Kansas, because that's where Walt was from. They stop outside a building marked Wardrobe. I don't really look like that, do I? But Pete takes the question seriously and looks at her a little harder than she had in mind, seeing through to the prettiness and replying sincerely, No. An awkward beat, then. Well, yeah, I've got to get... Uh, but he watches her disappear into wardrobe before he goes anywhere. Cut to Constance Morrow is a location. <laughs> as portrayed Have you ever been to Constance Morrow? As portrayed in Pen maybe she's like Chevy Chase. She's yeah. named after a town in Maryland. Yeah, and there's streets called Constance Morrow. As portrayed in pencil cartoon drawings being flipped to simulate animation. Yep. Wider that was slim. Wider angle reveals interior room 15 late afternoon. Where most of the guys are calling it a day. Pete finishes flipping through the drawings for Slim, moves on to some extremes. And then there's W.C. Fields. I don't know why there's a long space there. Sorry. Then there's, then here's W.C. Fields, and she takes the bottle. Oh, you can draw your ass, huh? Sure. You give him a big star to work with. Wait, hold on. Sure, you give him a big star to work with. Jerry comes over, looks over Pete's shoulder. Draw her ass anyway. Do this thing fast, though. 20 frames. 20? That's less than a second. You bet. People like that. The hell was that? Uh, uh oh, here comes another one. No time to think. Been thinking all week. What, what could that do him? He picks up his briefcase, heads for the door. You got them lights? Pete nods, sure, and he's alone in the room again. Flipping through his original constant sketches, he runs across the unflattering one of Dot Chenault. He goes out. Interior, Termite Terrace Reception. This music is perfect, by the way, for the scene that's coming up. <laughs> and sees Ned being picked up by the surprisingly glamorous Mrs. Ned. <laughs> that's the actual character. <laughs> <laughs> and Sheila leaving with one of the costume cowboys from the nearby set. Pete stands in the doorway a beat. No place to go but home. 
He pulls his figurative socks up. Exterior, a soundstage, late afternoon. Dot, ending her workday, checks a rack of costumes, pushing hangers past her and logging them on a list, till she pushes one aside and finds Pete's face in the resulting daylight. Just his face. Hi. <laughs> Dot starts, then recovers. You're a lot of fun around the house, aren't you? She pushes... She pushes the last few costumes past, shutting Pete's face out. But he meets her at the end of the rack. You're not still mad about that sketch, are you? Look, that's just how we do it here. The ducks don't look like real ducks. The Hmm. How's it coming? Not bad. I had to work on Constance Morrow's face. Not bad. I had to work on Constance Morrow's walk for... Quite a while. It's it's fair. Walk and face almost look identical yeah. on the page. And they do move the same way, too. So did she. We had this one gag where, well, you're working now. I don't want to. I tell you what. I'll come by here one day at knockoff time, and we can get a sandwich or something. I'll tell you about all about it. See Tuesday? Pretty slick for Kansas. He's already heading off. Yeah. That's why I had to leave. He's looking at her as he walks, almost collides with a couple of grips, moving a scene flat. Uh-huh. Cut to room 15, day. I like this music. It sounds like, uh, yeah. it sounds like Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> but uh, that's not really what we want. Mort, Mort is uh, Leon, right? Yes. Cut to room 15, day. Another day's work buzz is interrupted as Mort and Lou come in to address the unit. Boys, I have good news. The Warner people tell me that our latest group of pictures was very popular with the theaters. Over the coming month, we're going to be increasing our output by 30%. Are we hiring 30% more people? <laughs> well, no, Slim, but... We get overtime? There won't be an increase in... Bop, bop. There won't be an increase in payments as such, but we will have the heat stay on at night and full coffee available. We feel it's the least we can do. <laughs> right you are. <laughs> Morton Lou head for the exit, but Slim sticks with them. Morton, it's too much. I got guys in there already haven't seen their wives for a week. I mean, in any case, in my case, that's... Probably for the best, but but seriously. Seriously, we need more film. Lou tells me half the time he, he comes in here, they're listening to the ball game or something. That's just that just proves it. You guys you guys wouldn't know a joke. Go draw me some and we'll see. Morton Lou leave, Slim looking angrily after them. Can I redo Slim's line? No. Dissolve two. Exterior. Clifton's Cafeteria, dusk. A few days later, Pete and Dot come out of Clifton's Cafeteria in downtown L.A. Is this a commercial? Out from under her work gear, Dot is pretty in a solid Midwestern... Solid Midwestern? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. She's not a table guy. <laughs> uh, Dot is pretty in a solid Midwestern way that could make Pete homesick. Follow them down the street as passing couples head for movie theaters or swing ballrooms. 
How long have you been out here? Two years. That means I'm a native, roughly. You proud of you back at home? <laughs> Are you kidding? They're scandalized. Hollywood? My folks think I spend my evenings smoking opium with chorus boys. How do you spend them? Doing opium with chorus boys. <laughs> <clears throat> Sewing, thank you. They're working us later and later. Yeah, us too. Crazy. I'm going to stick with it, though. Maybe get a job at Disney's one day. Come up with my own characters or... Make a million bucks? That wouldn't be bad. But when I was little, there was no movie theater in our town yet. I used to come through with a truck, set up a projector in somebody's barn. Or the Grange Hall. They pass into a radio store and navigate around a knot of people listening to Amos and Andy on a PA speaker. These people sit in there, farmers, most worn out people in the world, but you show the cartoon, you still get a laugh out of them. People like that. They can use it. Well, it's not a big deal, except I could do it. I could do some stuff that... He catches her look. What? What are you thinking? No, nothing. They walk on a moment in silence for a beat, then... Here we are. They stop in front of a drab residence hotel. Yeah, not bad. Yes, it is. It's a dump. That's what happens when you send money home. Shakes her head. Back there, they can all do something useful, and they're all out of work. And we're out here making movies about rich people trying to kiss each other. Well, I guess rich people are likely... Well, I guess rich people are... Like everybody else. It's a chance for a kiss, but Dot ducks it, squeezes Pete's cock instead. <laughs> squeezes, I had a good time. <laughs> squeezes Pete's hand instead. I had a good time. I didn't. <laughs> I'm supposed to squeeze my cock. <laughs> yeah, me too. Call me or something. Sure. She goes inside. Sure, doll, sure. <laughs> Pete watches her, trying to figure out if he's getting anywhere with her then turns to go. Cut two. Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. What's up, docs and docettes? Trevor Thompson, the self-appointed Looney Tunes critic here, and if you like old cartoons and watching online reviewers dissect them, then you probably said the same thing I did about two years ago. Hey, what the fuck? Here, watch your language, you bud. We're on the air. No, I said, why the heck isn't there a Looney Tunes critic? I mean, nobody's devoted strictly to Looney Tunes Merry Melodies, and whenever people do review that stuff, half the time they get it wrong. And they're all millennials, too, so everything before 1985 is racist. Ugh. Well, I'm the guy you want anyway. Every Saturday morning, I do a brand new commentary of a Warner Brothers short. All throughout the month, I do video essays examining the history of these cartoons. And every few months, I do a full-length review and or interviews with people who worked on Looney Tunes projects. Catch my videos on YouTube.com slash Ferris Wheelhouse 2, or just use the hashtag Looney Tunes Critic. And now, here's Eric Bauza, the new voice of Bugs Bunny, to bring this commercial home. And you've been listening to Trevor Thompson, the self-appointed Looney Tunes Critic. Ain't he a stinker? Lights, camera, action. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, back to Table Reads. So I don't know, so far, Trevor, 
It's not interesting me. No. Like, I love the subject matter. I've yeah. always wanted to see this movie, but I, I'm not feeling like Pete and Dot walking around talking yeah. about Kansas and shit. It's not doing it for me. I also, I wonder, I wonder how good this is if you remove the elements that we like about it, which are the Looney Tunes history. Like, then it's just nothing. I, that's what I'm saying. Is it, is this, like this, we were calling this, what, serviceable? Yeah. Would it really be serviceable if if we had no interest in... Well, actually, yeah. Tell me, what's the plot? Exactly. What is the plot? Other Nothing, than... Nothing's happening. A guy met a girl that worked... I, hey, I got a new job and I met a girl. Right. There's 43 pages of script. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God. We're on 47 now, I think. 43. 43. You have Sorry. to look at the page. Oh, yeah, yeah. 43. Going into forty-four. Let's yeah get back to this shit. Let's uh, I think we need to uh, I think this this thing has gotten out of out of you know we should just start making fun of it more. I mean, they need to give us something better to make fun of. Yeah, really. It is better than Space Jam though. Thus yeah, so's gonorrhea. Thus far, fade in. Actually, Acme Gonorrhea is not very good. Cartoon image, exterior, Hollywood, night. Our That's weird the way it does that. Yeah. Instead of exterior. Anyway, our frame is filled by the finished cartoon, Hollywood Steps Out. Ooh. In a pan across the Hollywood landscape, dozens of searchlights sweep the night sky, moving in time to the conga music on the soundtrack. Bum, 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 bum. The cartoon camera moves into Ciro's nightclub, where a sign reads, Deluxe Dinner, $50 and up, easy terms, six months to pay, small down payment. Cartoon image, Inside Ciro's. This Looney Tune is a series of gags with caricatured movie stars in the posh nightclub. At one table, Greta Garbo sells cigarettes to Cary Grant, then hoists her giant shoe onto the table and strikes a match on the sole to light one for him. This part at least is interesting because it's describing work that this writer didn't write. <laughs> At another table, Dorothy Lamore talks shy Jimmy Stewart into trying a mambo, but he watches her dance for a beat, goggles at the at the racy moves, sticks a sign reading Mr. Smith goes to Washington on the table, grabs his valise and flees. A new angle finds Constance Morrow in Pete's oblivious self-important caricature Sweeping into the nightclub, she breezes past W.C. Fields, who's drinking a beer at the bar, plucks the bottle from him, holds it adoringly, and makes an acceptance speech as she moves on. Just like, oh, thank you, thank you. I don't deserve this, but I accept it on behalf of all the little people, the leprechauns, the elves, and those wonderful, wonderful gnomes. Interior, was that in the cartoon? No. Because that's terrible. That is not funny. She also mentions Mickey Mouse coming up here, so no, it wasn't in the cartoon. Ugh. Interior, Termite ter Terrace Screening Room. The Termite Terrace staff, plus Morton Liu, are watching the cartoon. Sheila laughing. Slim studying the screen. Pete nervously trying to not to look at the stolid Mort. On screen, W.C. Fields tries to retrieve his bottle, but Constance suddenly turns and bends down to shake hands with someone out of frame. Why, it's Mickey Mouse. She swivels, bending still lower. And Mickey Rooney. <laughs> and her prominent bottom 
knocks Fields over. He bounces back to his feet like a punch the clown toy. Go ahead, do a WC Fields, Trevor. Oh, I lost. Where are we? Bottom of the page. I'll do it. Oh, Joe. Jehoshaphat, a menace to navigation. Oh, very good, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. He can throw his voice into other people's mouths. In the screening room, Mort Insane. nods vaguely and almost smiles. The most grudging possible show of approval. Slim sees this, gives Pete a thumbs up. <laughs> Jack Landy sees it too, scowls to himself, but covers with a smile when Pete glances his way. What's up with Jack Landy? I don't know. Dissolve to interior, termite terrace, room 15, afternoon. Are there other rooms to follow? A spring day with rain falling outside. We find our guys scrambling to put paint jars and other receptacles under the leaks as new ones sprout in the uh. water-damaged ceiling. Nice weather for ducks. Not for drawing them. Damn it. A blob of rain ruins one of, the, one of his sketches, and he scoots a coffee cup under the leak, barely saving some other drawings. Fine modern goddamn facility we have here. He's about to say more, but a voice from the doorway stops everything. Excuse me. I'll look up to see a vision. Constance Morrow. Miss Morrow. As she comes into the room, the doorway behind her fills with guys from other units, watching. I'm looking for that Mr. Gustafson. You know, the fellow who draws the little cartoons. Smiles and suppressed laughs amongst the troops. Uh... Actually, Mr. Gustafson's very busy. He, he kind of farms work out here. Oh. Well, I thought that one of me was just delightful, and... Oh, well, that, that wasn't Mr. Gustaf Gustafson. That was, uh... Here's the guy you want. Pete Nugent. Pete makes a hopeless attempt to sound casual. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that might be your best read ever. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Pete. May I call you Pete? Well, that was wonderful. I was so flattered. I thought you'd never get around to me. Well, of, of course we... And, oh, and this is the place where you draw. Look, please come have a drink with me. I want to know what it's like to be so clever. No, really, it'll be fun. Please? <laughs> Great line. I want to know what it's like to be so clever. Pete is momentarily paralyzed. Guys from behind Constance's back urge him with gestures. Go, dummy. Sounds great. As they head for the door, all eyes follow them. Exterior, Termite Terrace, late afternoon. We just hear a gunshot in the background and Dot's dead. <laughs> uh, and watch from the windows as they get into Constance's waiting white limousine. Interior limo, exterior streets, dusk. Pete and Constance are in the back of the limo, Heading for mid-Wilshire. Evading Pete's protesting hand, Constance tops off his glass with champagne, killing the bottle. Um, I'm awfully glad you liked the cartoon. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I was, uh, I was a little afraid you would think we were making fun of you. Constance's gaiety snags on this thought. Really? How? Well, it, you know, the way you were drawn and... But that's all in fun, isn't it? I think if you're chosen, 
in a way, to be up there on the screen and be an example to other women, well, you have to have a sense of humor about yourself, don't you think? The limousine pulls up at the real Ciro's nightclub. Interior, Ciro's evening, later. Ooh, how much later? Pete and Constance have been drinking steadily. It slows him down, but speeds her up. As nearby people look over, Constance holds up an empty daiquiri pitcher, beckons a waiter. Yoo-hoo, over here! Well, we heard about your cartoon, and a whole gang of us went down to a real movie house to see it. Nobody's been to one, of, one in years because everyone's got these screening rooms now. You know, Rita got these antique tapestries for a curtain in hers, and it was almost a scandal. It turns out they were scared into one of these small religions. Sa turns out they were sacred to one of these small religions. Uh, I'm sure she didn't. Well, we were there in disguise, of course. As it turns out, they give away dishes now. I thought they were to eat the popcorn off of, you know, to bring some manners to it. But no, you keep them. Did you know? My mother has a set. There, you see? What's wrong? Just all these people looking at us. Oh, no, that's your imagination. They're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that line. Interior, limo, exterior, Constance's place, night. The limo pulls up outside a Spanish-style house, high in the Hollywood Hills. The driver opens the door, and Pete wobbles up the walk behind Constance. Your house is beautiful. It's... Just like I thought of... Oh, this isn't my home. Interior, Constance's place, entryway. They enter the splendid house. Constance picks up a, a crystal decanter full of booze from a table as she heads deeper inside. It's just a little pomme de terre I keep here in town. Bring those glasses, would you? <laughs> Pete obeys with trepidation, following Constance off screen to... Interior. Bedroom. Oh, Oh, man, you know what? Mm. I don't have sexy music on my soundboard. Why would you? Like, bum, 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 bum. Mm. Oversight, McBee, oversight. Why would it come up? It wouldn't come up. Constant pours, well, for when it comes up. Exactly. Constance pours drinks, takes one, and playfully leads Pete toward the big silk cloth bed. You know, Chuck, we all know this Shit did not happen. Like we said, Chuck's story. <laughs> Written by Chuck. Oh, man. You know... Actually, it kind of did. You but. know, you did such a good job drawing me, but there are some things you have to see firsthand to get them just right. You're talking about... You're talking about your pussy. Uh, Miss Morrow, Constance, I shouldn't be doing it. Oh, I know. Aren't the things you shouldn't do just the best? And as she tumbles him onto the bed, we dissolve to a drawing of Pete. I can draw too! <laughs> <laughs> In conference with two young animators, it's one of Pete's caricatures for a letter home. In his self-kidding drawing, he wears a beret and a monocle, and the animators are awestruck as he shows them two gag drawings that glow with brilliance. Dear folks, guess what? I'm directing a cartoon of my own. And I decided on the Night Watchman for some reason. <laughs> I always thought you had to be about 48 and smoke a pipe before you could do it, but here I am. Match dissolved to interior, room 15. A matching shot. 
MOS of Pete talking a few guys through his gag drawings. In real life, of course, Pete is dressed normally, and the conversation is matter-of-fact. I have guys working under me the whole bit. Interior corridor slash screening room. Another MOS shot. Pete and others filing into the termite terrace screening room. And by the way, it's in Technicolor. Disney, <laughs> Disney's been doing it. And one thing I can tell you about this business, you got to keep up. Interior screening room. Pete and the others are watching his cartoon, Ghost Wanted. I don't know about that. In which a little ghost of wide-eyed Disney-esque cuteness, like Sniffles the mm. mouse. Oh, wait, I think I do know that girl. Has answered a haunt ad and applied for a job at a haunted house maintained by a big ghost. The cartoon is a showcase of fancy painting. Every shadow in the haunted house is beautifully rendered. The only problem is the picture isn't funny. A problem underscored by the polite smiles of the, term of the terrace people in the screening room. On screen, the big ghost, invisible at the moment, tells the little one, Okay, bub, scare me. Let's see you scare me. The little ghost strikes a series of scary poses as the big one appears behind him, waits, then shouts. Boo! They take off, a cha they take off on a chase, which ends with the big ghost laughing himself silly. In contrast to the forced <laughs> chuckles in the screening room. On screen, a telegram arrives for the little ghost and he reads it in a painfully long hold. Boo! Angle on Pete. He knows he's dying up there. And as the lights come up, people come up to him and think up nice ad-lib things to say. Nice <laughs> stuff with the color and very uh, pretty. If he had any doubts that he's laid an egg, they're removed when he gets a big hand clap from a smiling Jack Landy. Why does Jack Landy hate him? Where did this come from? Like they suddenly just introduced this out of nowhere like Jack Landy upset that he's getting accolades and happy that he bombed. Yeah. There was nothing to indicate this at all. Nothing brought this on. It's completely unmotivated. And Landy, the, the person he's based on is uh is even less of a personality. Like they're like Who is Landy supposed to be? Um the uh the business manager, uh Raymond something. Like I that's it. That's what I mean. Raymond Katz. I can't even remember his name. In That's... this, he's an animator, though. Oh, he is? He's another in-betweener. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, Mort's uh, right hand Oh, yeah, man. yeah, no, this is... Then, yeah, I don't know who Landy is supposed to be. Maybe he's Bob Clampett. Maybe. I don't think so. Anyway, who knows? Because that's because Bob wasn't shitty about it. Like the one who was shitty about these things was Chuck. Yeah, but <laughs> but if this is from Chuck's perspective, yeah, then he'd be like, "Well, I was just such a nice guy, and Landy was or Clampett was just such a dick to me the whole time." Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, Slim hangs back as Slim the hangs back as the others leave. Follows Pete into interior corridor. Nice work there. That stuff with the shadows. Like a painting. You have big pauses, you know that? Big pauses, big shoes, big feet. Yeah, so is the audience. Ah, oh, yeah, that. Hey, you okay? You don't have to throw up or anything. No, no, I'm 
spent all that time making it pretty. Should have been thinking about the jokes. Yeah, well, that is kind of our policy here. Make them laugh and they won't notice your looks. But everybody's got a couple of those in the closet. Come in here. They enter. Interior, room 15. Slim rummages in the papers on his table. It's harder than it looks. I'm sorry. It's harder than it looks. Yeah, you find something easy. We'll both go dick. We'll both go do it. Here. I think Slim is supposed to be uh, Maltese. Like Maltese. Maybe. Sean is literally trying not to yawn because the script is so bad. Uh, it's harder than it looks. Yeah, you find something easy, we'll both go for it. Yeah. You want to not laugh sometime? Take a look at this guy's pictures. You ever see him? He hands Pete a model sheet showing a dozen or so poses of a squat, gawky rabbit. Only through modern-day hindsight do we recognize the embryonic Bugs Bunny. Pete shakes his head. Maybe it wouldn't be. Yeah, well, there's a reason you haven't. I wonder if you could do something with this. Yeah, Chuck, why don't you take Bugs? Sorry. Pete looks surprised. It's something there, you know? But he's such a hick. Yeah, well, we'll get along fine then. Slim indicates the bunny. Hey, compared to this guy, you're Fred Astaire. Pete finds that hard to believe till we cut to the rabbit hamming it up. In the cartoon, Porky's Hair Hunt, which fills our frame. As this proto-bugs emerges from a hollow stump and winds up a mechanical rabbit, his voice tells the story. The gawky opposite of the future Bugs Bunny's snappy, snappy Brooklynese. <laughs> Wider angle reveals interior termite terrace screening room. That Pete's here alone screening the cartoon. As he watches, Clark Chafee drops in and sits behind him. Oh no, the rabbit. Shakes his head. This character has ruined some of our finest young men, you know. You think you're the guy? Think it's hopeless? No, but he needs a few things like a personality. Just seems like a lot of, you know, work. So? Clark slouches deeper into his seat, getting cozy. Well, work is all right, but see, I come from a good family. We try not to overdo it. I come from a good family, too. This is, this is Ted Pierce. Yeah, Clark right. is Ted Pierce. And yeah, talking about his mom. I come from a good family too, Ted. <laughs> we just never had any money. Everything, everything you ever got, it was secondhand and busted. You just used it anyway. On screen, the protobug slaps his knee and calls, Here I am, fat boy! <laughs> hmm. Maybe you are the guy. And Pete nods as we dissolve to exterior termite terrace night. The lot is dark, but lights are on at Gustafson Productions. Gustafson. <laughs> Interior, room 15, late night work. The guys are yawning, unshaving, mm. unshaven, wincing through boiled down coffee. Slim is again drawing a sequence at high speed, deeply absorbed. The world around him shut out. But somehow he's clearly feeling patriotic. Yeah. According to the music? Yeah. <laughs> They're animating old glory. <laughs> Animator one answers the phone, covers the receiver. It's for Slim. His wife? Animator one nods. 
Ned takes the phone from him and, without a word to Slim or to Slim's missus, hangs it up. Nearby, Pete finishes some Daffy Duck drawings and hands them to Rudy, who takes off. Idled for a moment, Pete gets out a sheet of paper where he's been drawing a new version of the bunny. He works on his latest one, a dead end, short-eared, dark, a step away from bugs rather than closer. Pete's concentration is broken by a loud, frustrated exhalation from Slim, who looks his drawings over and sweeps them into the trash more violently than last time. Chris Coleman comes over. Uh, Slim? Could I see... But as Chris reaches toward the trash, Slim's, Slim drops a burning match in, then squirts some rubber cement thinner onto it to make it a little blaze. Chris gets his hand out just in time and finds Slim looking at him, his face an unfamiliar storm. Indicates the trash. What do you want, a gag for your shrimp? He stops himself, looks at Chris. The big guy looks as if he's been smacked, and everyone is spooked by Slim acting as mean to Chris as he was kind before. Chris. Sorry, I, I didn't mean... It's okay. It's just, they're... I'm... It's okay. Nothing Slim can say. He leaves the room. A spooked beat. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> then guys start working again, but without the conversations. On Pete, he tries to go back to the bunny, but can't. He rubs his neck, fighting fatigue, then slips out of the room. We're just never going to talk about him fucking a, porn, uh, a movie star ever again, are we? I, I don't think so. Interior projection booth. In the booth of the in the booth of of the projection room, Pete finishes up threading a reel, flips on the projector, and watches. Dude, that's Treg's job. Yeah, actually, that's uh, Smokey Garner's job. Smokey, that's right. Smokey Garner's job. Swamp Rabbit. The Looney Tunes logo, then a title. Porky and Wacky Land, with supervising credit for Slim, Slim, uh, Slim is, is Clampet, and Bigger, producing credit for Mort. As the picture starts, a frame-filling newspaper headline announces, Porky hunts rare dodo bird worth $4 trillion. <laughs> Interior, projection room. Pete goes into the projection room, drops into a seat. On screen, so this is weird, that mm. they're using real cartoon titles. Yeah. And ascribing different direct directors. Like, this is all weird. Yeah. Why not do a straight biopic? With, like... And I mean, that tunes. makes it more, more interesting, at least, mm -hmm. to see a real history of this. When you give everybody pseudonyms, it takes away the historical element and Plus, makes it even less interesting. And if you don't know the historical element and the movie sparks an interest in you... All you're going to be learning is that everything that you liked in the movie is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be interesting or fun for you. And why is, like, Slim is a nickname. Yeah. Nobody's name is Slim. Right. Bob Clampett didn't go by a nickname. Bob. <laughs> that was it. I mean, yeah. I would have thought him to be Tex or Frizz because they're the guys with nicknames. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um... Have 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 we seen Tashlin yet? Who knows? That's what I mean. Like who, Tashlin could be any one of these. He could be Jeremy. Jerry, there's no Jeremy. Yeah, I was gonna say he could be. He Jeremy. could be Jeremy, who we haven't met yet. <laughs> yes. But in the third act, you know, don't worry. 
Oh, you say. I mean, Tasha wasn't there very long. He's, he probably doesn't feel Actually, it. Tash left and came back a couple times. Um, and he did have a nickname, but it was never on camera. Tish Tash. Interior projection where room. Where am I? Interior projection room. Pete goes into the projection room. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Porky. Pete goes into the projection room, drops into a seat. On screen, Porky goes past a sign reading, Welcome to Wacky Land. It can happen here. <laughs> Into a surrealist landscape filled with capering, Kilroyish guys and weird gags, like a bicycle horn with legs that walks around beeping itself. See, this is why you don't write cartoon like Porky and like Wacky a Land, script, like yeah. a script. You draw it. The picture is a pure look into Slim. He's pushed the limits of the cartoon form and of his own eccentric imagination. An imagination that sees the world as a series of booby traps. I now know how to play Slim. Do it. Hey, what are you running that for? Pete, startled, looks to see Slim settling in next to him. Great. Shakes his head. Couple of gags of work. You see how it is. They, they never give you the time. On screen, Porky gazes eagerly across a moat with a <clears throat> at a castle with a neon sign reading, The Dodo. Introducing, in person, the Dodo. And the Dodo, a long-beaked bird, comes out of the castle, crosses the moat in a boat, drops anchor, sinking the boat, and encounters Porky, who asks, Are you really the last of the Dodos? The Dodo bowls Porky over with his long neck, answers, Yes, I'm really the last of the Dodos. Was that his voice? Yeah. It was kind of scratchy. Then starts scat singing as he kicks Porky in the stomach, dances over him, and gets away. In the screening room, Slim watches his own work with a critical impatience while Pete admires it. This part here. A crescendo of frustration for Porky. The dodo escapes in a floating elevator, pops out of a flying Warner Brothers shield to shoot wacky shoot Porky with a slingshot, and replaces the cartoon's pastoral backdrop with a brick wall for Porky to smack into. Okay. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's it's like the, the Greek myths with all the metamorphosis, like the guy's nose or the bicycle horn walking around. But then when they the dodo comes in and he moves the backdrop because he knows it's a cartoon. But Porky can't do that. So for him, it's not a cartoon, but that's why it's a cartoon. It's the joke on top of the joke. So he's slim isn't being unkind when he answers. Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. What would? If you could do it by thinking. He stands up, watches for another moment, then leaves. On the screen, Porky finally grabs the bird. Oh, baby boy, I got the last of the dodos. Yes, I'm really the last of the dodos. Ain't I, fellas? And another thousand dodos come out of nowhere, overwhelming Porky. Yeah! Woo! And the cartoon, Iris is out. Boo! Whip! Dissolve 2. Interior, Termite Terrace. Reception area, morning. Pete, arriving for work, greets Sheila. Hello, Sheila. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help it. Good morning. Good morning to you. Pete wonders why her voice holds a pointed meaning and why she looks at him through new eyes. He heads down the hall. Interior, room 15. 
and his curiosity is answered as he enters 15. All the guys are here, their faces hidden by identical newspapers they're reading. A morning tabloid whose headline reads, Constance Morrow Love Diary Baird. Hubby, I'll divorce. God. Guys lower their papers to applaud as Pete goes pale. Jerry claps him on the back. We don't have enough heroes in this country, son, but you. What is it? Jerry begins a dramatic reading from the paper. I don't know how he does it, diary. We... For asterisks in the text, Ned mimics a censor's buzzer. Till beautiful dawn. It's the shy ones you have to watch. His name is Peter... Wouldn't you You know know it, diary? And he's an artist. Pete grabs the paper from Jerry, stares at the story. Ned opens a drawer of his desk store, revealing a big stack of copies, and passes one to Jerry, who resumes reading. An artist, not just with his hands, but... Married? Don't worry. That's all being straightened out. My last name isn't in there. Nope. As long as nobody saw you driving off with her in the longest car in the world, you... Slim's phone buzzes. He picks it up. Fifteen. For you. It's a woman. Of course it's a woman. Hello? Constance's breathy voice is on the line. Oh, Peter, hi. I didn't know if you'd run across this thing in the papers. The others try to listen. Pete clamps the phone to his ear. Uh, yeah. I have... You know, my maid sold them that silly diary. Just for a few thousand dollars. Can you imagine? And all this fuss. People are so outmoded these days, don't you think? Sure, I... Anyhow, I hope it doesn't cause you any trouble. No, everything's fine here. You're so sweet. Oh, here's Ginger's driver. Do let's keep in touch. She hangs up. Pete hands the phone back to Slim. He plays them like a violin. Slim's phone buzzes again. He picks up. Fifteen. Uh-huh. Okay. Hangs well, up to Pete. Well, they want you over in Mort's office. I'm 22 and my life is over. Takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? Pete heads miserably for the corridor. We'll miss you, kid. Fade out. I, uh, I, I was, I would say that the plot thickens, but I, I, what I mean to say really is the plot appears. Yeah. This is like the first bit of conflict in the whole movie. So you seemed to indicate earlier that there was some sort of factual basis for this Constance Morrow thing. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's not known if, if it was of the, the level of Constance Morrow, but Chuck, Chuck did think of himself as a director and cartoons, whether it's cartoons or feature films, it doesn't matter. He was a director in Hollywood and he did pull actresses. Hmm. Nothing like on a hard level, but something about being able to scoop, well, pussy at the studio really appealed to him. 
Interesting. Yeah. Well, good old Chuck Jones. We we do love Chuck Jones for the record. But so we're boy. actually we're doing really well on this. We're yeah, we're making some time. We're about halfway through in two episodes. That's almost unheard of for us. Yeah, we we we, we haven't made as nearly as much fun of this as, as some of the other ones. Well, but if it were more fun, maybe we would. Yeah, or if it was really bad, it's just kind of yeah. there. It's yeah. just, just there. Like, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm, my interest in it is just from the Looney Tunes standpoint and be like, oh, wow, this getting to read this thing that we'd heard about for years. But, yeah, I mean, I'm having a time. You having a time? Oh, I'm having a good time, but it's a, not a very good script. No, but it's kind of what we specialize exactly, in. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Too true. Um, so real quick, uh, everybody, go check out Looney Tunes Critic on YouTube. We'll see you later. This podcast was created by Sean McBee. For more, visit TableReadsPodcast.com. Cut to black. Black.